Here's a news flash. Surprise, surprise. Well, look at you. The whole world is watching for my next move. Oh, my God. Times have changed. There are no rules. You're going to love it. Hello and welcome to Skip Intro, the podcast from Binge, all about the world's best television. Each week we're here to discuss the biggest new shows on Binge, along with our dinner party recommendations. My name is John Boehm, here with Ali Herbert Burns, and together we look after all the great TV and movies that you see on Binge. Ali, we've got something very big to talk about today, and I feel like we needed some time to let it soak in. That's right, John. We are talking about the final ever episode of Succession, episode 39 episode 10 of season four and yeah one of the biggest show finales we've had in a while we've needed a few days just to soak it all in and and have a think about it haven't we and ready to talk about it now I think yeah Yeah. okay well let's get straight into it let's head to the boardroom at a Waystar Rico all right let's call this meeting to order I know that we've said the worst things but I just wanted to get a few things straight Dad said that it would be me. If we want to hold on to this company for us, we have to go into battle with our own version of the future with the king. Ali, we've, we have reached the end of this beautiful, beautiful show that we both love so much. It was a 90-minute finale, and I'll admit it did not feel like it. It felt like it flew by. I, I remember having to pause at one point and being like, oh my God, I'm already like an over an hour into this. But a lot happens. I will say this isn't how I thought it was going to end, which is probably for the best because that's why I don't write premium drama. But is this the succession finale you thought you were going to get, Ali? In some ways it really was. So I think we need to come back to your comment just before about how you thought it was going to end because... That's a whole podcast in itself, isn't it? All the different ways it could have. But in some ways, I always felt that Succession was Jesse Armstrong's, you know, view of of the world, of this this slice of the world of media power and kind of the corruption that it has on the political and the social systems. I think he ultimately wants people like this not to succeed. You know what I mean? And so I feel like by those children, none of them getting the final tilt and the final chair and we can get into what we think and how that all happened and, and Shiv and Tom. But I, even though you're the watching the whole episode kind of strangely rooting for the kids, even though we know over so many episodes that they're pretty awful, you know, there was still an element of like, oh, I think I kind of want one of them to win. You know, I was really happy when I saw them happy together in Bermuda or Bahamas or wherever they were. But it ended in the way I thought it would in that ultimately none of them won. And that in itself yeah. is almost the show's way of saying even when you're rich, even when you've got everything, you can still lose something and you can ultimately fail. I think we don't want people like this to always win. It was a slap at nepotism and a slap at like family dynasties. I wouldn't say it was like in support of meritocracy because I'm not sure Tom, obviously spoiler alerts, (laughs) Tom I don't think merited necessarily the the role, but he certainly fits the role that Matson needed him to fill for however long after the credits roll he ends up being CEO because, you know, who knows, a month later maybe the American CEO stuff doesn't matter anymore, but that's a storyline we'll never get to. Did anyone think it would finish this way? I think when we had Nicholas Braun in town and we interviewed him, cousin Greg, I think we made a joke in that Q&A that I, I think I said to him, I thought that he and Tom 
would have it, that they might win, win it out. But I still, over the episodes, that was at episode two, over the episodes that followed, I didn't think that at lots of other stages of, of the season. But yeah. in some ways. Greg, a.k.a. A- Judas. Okay. And so things I kind of <laughs> want to talk to you about is what we learned about the children in that final episode, the siblings. And then I just think ultimately Shiv's role here, I think even in the infamous hand-holding in the back of the car, I think there's a lot we can even unpack about that. I feel like it showed all the characters to be who we knew that they were, but it showed Roman to ultimately be willing to accept defeat, to like want to put his hand up for it, but then at the first problem, give Mm. up sort of thing. And it showed Shiv to just not be able to accept that she wasn't going to win. Like, if it couldn't be her, it wasn't going to be Kendall. Yeah, I think the turns that Shiv takes in this episode where she goes from Matson to being with the family to not going back to Matson, but just not being with the family, I think it's the biggest sort of emotional turns, multiple turns that happen throughout this episode. Vote for me. Just please vote for me, Shiv. Vote for me. No. Yes, no. Shiv, don't do this. No. You can't do this, no. Shiv. No. Absolutely yes. no. not, man. No. Absolutely not. No. Why? We just see Kendall being the shell of a man that he's shown us to be. There's many crushing lines and many funny lines in this, but one of the crushing lines for me was after the vote, Ken says something along the lines of, I'm a cog, I'm a cog built to fit only one machine. Like his whole entire life since he was a like a toddler has been about becoming the CEO of Waystar Roco. And in this episode, he finds out it's never going to happen. And there's literally nothing else to him. His family doesn't matter. He's Kids don't matter. His enormous wealth and power doesn't matter. That's why he's walking in a park, staring at the ocean at the end. So I think it's the most tragic for Kendall. I think Roman will bounce back. And he finishes in um, a bar Roman drinking with his, a cocktail. Yeah, and I think it's really interesting to think about the final scenes of each of these main characters. Roman's in, in a bar having a drink. Kendall is sort of in a park staring out at the ocean. And then, of course, as you said, Shiv... Her final scene is in the backseat of a car with her husband, her very convenient husband whom she's married to, and her very, I don't even know how to, this isn't a video podcast, but like grazing his hand, like people are going to be dissecting that scene, I think, because Tom puts his hand out having just become the CEO. She says congratulations, and then she sort of lightly places her hand. So should we jump into Tom and Shiv because... I I think there's so many layers to this because some people are saying she's one. Out of all the siblings, she is actually still involved in the family, albeit through the husband. Does that make her puppet or does that make her able to still control? You can imagine she'll get Carolina in there. She'll get Jerry back in there. She'll have a bit more of an influence over what's still happening in her father's business than any of the brothers will have. So in some ways, whilst it's not, her ultimately being able to topple the brothers, it is a way that she's ended up winning versus the rest of them. Is she actually got the upper hand? Is it, you know, because I kept, I rewatched the episode and she's always like, you know, in season three in the final episode where Tom betrays her with Logan and all in that episode, she's speaking to him honestly and, and almost feeding him the stuff that he ends up using against her and the siblings because she trusts him as a husband. And then even in this final episode, they're on the plane and well, she's on the plane and she says to him, you know, do you want to kind of stay together? And he's so quick to say, I don't know. 
that was before it was a power move. Like I think in the in the seven days or eight days since her father's died and she's pregnant, the level of emotions that are opening up or changing in her around the role she has with the big men in her life. And in some ways she's just gone back to being not trapped but under the, you know, the husband, the patriarch is running the, the thing now, not her. Like her father used to control everything and she becomes the CEO's wife. Or in some ways is this, a great outcome for her because her family and the business all do stay together, albeit probably very unhappily. But it's so complicated, isn't yeah. it? She's so complicated. I've got so yeah. many questions about her. It's obviously not the ending that she wanted, but the fact that she absolutely remains in the orbit of Waystar Roco, literally mother of this child of the CEO of Waystar Roco, She's also walks out of that building like a billionaire. I think there's a power dynamic with a woman married to a very powerful CEO who's just there as mm. a wife and mother, but she is not that. She is forever going to be more powerful and more wealthy than Tom is even as Tom becomes the CEO. I read one interesting comment. There's this sort of either fear or aspiration that we all end up like our parents at some point, and I thought it was interesting that someone made the comparison that Shiv has sort of ended up becoming her mother because they made the point that Logan sort of came from nothing, worked his way up, married Lady Carolina, like got into the the good set. And now the same thing has happened with Tom and Shiv. Tom's a Midwestern boy who's just worked his way up through the corporate ladder and has now married the billionaire heiress to Waystar Roco, except in the same way Lady Carolina ended up without any power Shiv has now sort of ended up without any power and is now just in the shadow of the men yeah. in their life. Which I That's so interesting. interesting. But it's also like in lots of ways, Tom was almost who Logan, he was the most loyal to him and in the end was like on the plane getting on that fateful flight to Sweden. Logan's telling him he's getting rid of Jerry. He's like the main person. He's going to get rid of the person at ATN. He was kind of running the part of the business that Logan at that point in time was going to be keeping in ATN. And all through this season, he's been working. Like he was on the plane making the phone calls. He was too busy dealing with the election to come to the funeral. He's been talking about how tired he is and and he's not sleeping. And like if you're Matson, you're probably actually looking at all these stupid people that over the, <laughs> the over the months are fighting for position and all the rest of it and going, who's actually running these business? In some ways. Tom is, it actually makes a lot of sense, doesn't it, in some regards? Like if if that's the biggest part of what you're acquiring and he's running the thing that's currently doing okay, you're kind of like, well, the most consistent thing to do would be to keep that person in place. How do you feel about uh, self-pitching me? On Tom. Oh. You know, the main slide. On me as in my value to keep me? Sure, yeah. Yeah, I can sing for my supper. <laughs> <laughs> I've not interviewed a lot of CEOs for roles recently, <laughs> but uh, the, like the fact that Matson, I think he says, I need a pain sponge. The thing he needs out of a CEO is not something Shiv mm. can give him. Like Shiv is, and I don't mean this derogatorily, but she's like a princess. She's part of a royal family who wants to then run the monarchy, whereas Tom has always just been a foot soldier and Matson wants to run the monarchy. In that episode with the election, obviously it was the boys that were trying to get the outcome to block the deal. But in the end, Tom made that happen. He's been so instrumental when you think back through all the major moves. 
the cruise ships. And one of the big things that, and probably this probably goes back to my point about let's talk about the kids, but over the last few episodes, I just felt like each child had one or two components of their dad. You know, like Roman could be really dirty and really sneaky and had a lot of that nasty, mean, cutthroat streak in him as we saw with the Living Plus launch and some of the times when Kendall at the eulogy could stand up and actually speak to Wall Street. And, you know, you could imagine him commanding in a more traditional corporate sense. And Shiv was good at playing the game and, and working the room and having the strategy. But Logan was all three of those things and all of them in isolation were only ever part of him. No one was ever put together to, you know, to be another a Logan Roy. So when you think about all the famous families that this show is supposedly based on and the kind of billionaires or the royal families and all the kind of places where these types of dynamics happen. It, it, it's impossible, but, you know, sometimes you have a one in a hundred or one in a million kind of corporate leader or, you know, leader of a country or something. They're not cookie cutter people that you can easily emulate. It's kind of ridiculous to think that any of the children could be Logan because he was such a tyrant of a, of a business yeah. leader. I can't remember where I read this now, so apologies to the reviewer who articulated it better than me, but I read something about the finale that did really land with me, and it was to that point that you've just made. With Logan gone and the kids always being, like, floating around him and always jostling for who's going to take over, with Logan out of the picture, it became clear in these last, you know, however many episodes of season four, that there was very little to the kids they they had very little ability. They had very little power. I think Roman even says it at the end. This is all bullshit um, or something. With like, it's all it's all bullshit. We're all stupid. Like something along those lines. And I think that's why it does actually. Even though I have so like a million questions about what happens after this episode, I think why it is so perfect that it's ended this way is that for the purpose of this story that we've been telling, with Logan out of the way, these kids don't have a story to tell anymore because they were never going to take over. Logan was always going to do what was best for the business, even yeah. beyond the grave. He he wanted Matson to take over. And, and, and yeah, also the person think- he died having in place of power in Tom and the person he was selling to ultimately yeah. came together. Because what was his famous last words to the children in the karaoke bar? I love you all, but you're not serious people. How about the um, mum, by the way, like getting them all the way to that island where, I mean, she's living the life, isn't she? She's so wealthy. But yeah, to pitch I love that they did one more international. Oh, like, what an yes. awful mum. Like, all this shit's going down. They're like flying around the world. They've got 24 hours before the biggest board meeting of their life. They're running yeah. out to wherever they are. And then that husband, <laughs> it's just to them. It's just sick. It must happen all the time where like friends of friends are always trying to get them in rooms with people or whatever. So I found that very funny, but I also loved that as serious as the moment was when Kendall was telling his mother, we've got a big board meeting. And then she just goes, oh no, a big board meeting. You've never had one. Of- I've never had my life. I, like, I can also- yeah. Yeah. Like I totally get her because she's had 60 years of the men in her life telling her there's an important board meeting. So I love just how like much she didn't care. Do you think she almost becomes well. her mom as well? <laughs> I think you said that before, like yeah, she's yeah, a little bit. To the CEO, and she's got all this money, and but she's ultimately not in control of her life. And she has the most heart of any of these characters. Like Shiv's the only one that's really had a proper relationship through this whole series. Shiv's about to become a mother. Like there are other things in Shiv's life besides this job, and that's why, like Kendall saying, "I'm a cog only to fit one 
wheel. And I think Shiv's not. Shiv can do lots of things. And with Roman life and- can just make money and be unhappy. What about, okay, getting into some of the fan theories. We talked a while back, a couple of episodes back, about the Apple theory that apparently if you use an Apple device in a movie, the villains aren't allowed to. And Tom was the only one that had a Samsung or not an Apple phone or something. Some other things I've heard this week have been about the importance of the name. So, you know, Roy, but meaning, you know. Roy meaning king, Shiv, meaning Shiv, obviously Shiv. Enough. And uh, Wom's, there's a baseball That's player That's the one I want to talk to you about. So I don't understand he, baseball. He, he but an unassisted triple play. So he got rid of three players in one move in a grand final of a baseball game. So, yeah. And so just the, the connection there is that that player's name was Bill Wamsgans, two S's, not one, but so interesting. So, and you know how clever these these writers are, so you don't put it past them. I thought the other thing that was interesting is just the role of the director. So Mark Mylod, who I think has probably directed the most of any episodes. I think he's done 16 of the 39 episodes. He's certainly done the most he, talked about yeah, episodes. Yeah, Connor's yeah. wedding. He did Shiv's wedding. He did, did the, the funeral. funeral. He did final episode. He did the last two episodes of season three, County Shear, Shire. He's almost like the one you can imagine they go to for the really big, big moments. But what an interesting career he's had as well and what he's brought to this show. Like he's done Entourage and The Affair and Shameless and some Game of Thrones. But just, yeah, yeah, you just felt so. And Jesse Armstrong obviously writing the final episode as well. Like just, just the visionaries for this show landing it in the way that they wanted to. Yeah. And if you go into the extras tab on Succession at Binge, there's a there's a great behind the scenes featurette for each episode. Oh, I haven't um, seen called that. Called Controlling oh, the Narrative. Okay. Called Controlling the Narrative. <laughs> and uh, Jesse Armstrong and Mark Mylord make make a bunch of great appearances and talk about how and why they they did various mm. things. So check that out if you want to know more about behind the scenes of the production as well. As much as this is like a classic Succession episode, there were a few moments that did give me like tingly finale special vibes. Mm. Very technical <laughs> words, I know. The vibe, um, the vibe. And yeah, gave me sort of like like different vibes. Like we were coming to an end of something vibes. And it was all about the siblings, obviously. But one of them was when Shiv and Roman were making fun of Kendall on the beach. And then just the whole meal mm. fit for a king scene. You so rarely see them in that space of just comfort and siblings and happiness. When they say they're going to anoint Kendall, they have they even have to say to him like, "You can smile," and then yeah. he does smile, and it's like it weird was, to see it? Kendall you smile because he never does. Like to see happiness and just like joy and like relaxedness from these three, even if it's you know on an island in Barbados where they're about to become CEO. I found it's like really refreshing and interesting and. I did notice that even though it was the like classic succession soundtrack throughout, yeah. it's like they did a lighter version through some of those moments. And it was just like, oh, this was like these these are nice people ah, who were just they got you. You got to the point where you thought they were nice. Yeah, That's what like, I meant about like you were actually yeah. rooting for them to win again. Like, you know, it's amazing, isn't it? Because even they're all pretty awful people. All of them are pretty awful. Even people like Jerry yeah. are awful and Carolina and Hugo because they all give up on their morals probably every day to keep in the fight. It's so brilliant how you still kind of end up feeling a bit sorry for them. But yeah. uh, one thing I, I did, I was sitting on the couch watching with my husband and we were like, do you think the kids will ever be able to have a moment like that again after this? Because one way to look at it is, at this point in his life at age 45 or whatever age Kendall is, he thinks he's only been 
a cog built for one role in one machine. Maybe she's just saved his life. You know, maybe Shiv has just set him free from not turning into Logan and not having that as his whole life. Maybe she's ultimately kind of broken the family curse, you know, and they don't realize it. And I don't know if that was her motivation, but even just seeing the way he responded and was physically abusive, you know, that's the other tragedy to it. You know, maybe they will see another side to what their life can be when it's beyond this, these, these boardrooms. The show ended with so much ambiguity about what was next you could you saw which way the road was turning but still anything could happen to them and i think i think they will be okay because you know four billion dollars is going to go into their bank soon enough you have to strip it down and be able to be okay with yourself you need to be defined by more than one thing you know like there's just and that's why i'm glad that none of the children ultimately succeeded because it, we needed them not to to feel like no they need to they need to grow and learn and none of them are going to grow or learn sitting in logan's yeah, chair yeah Amazing, wasn't it? Ah, gosh. Yeah. So many things we could talk about forever. Should we say goodbye to Succession now, John? <laughs> yeah. This is normally where I tell you new episodes are available to binge on Mondays at 11 a.m., but they're all there for you to watch, along with all those extras if you want. I'm going to do that because I, ha- yeah, I, ha- I hadn't show. noticed that. And then we can tell from the viewing how many people are already going back and watching it again and, yeah, coming yeah. in, lots of people coming in and just starting Succession for the first time and the season as well. So, Thank you. 39 amazing episodes. We've talked about it so many times on the podcast, how much succession meant to a lot of people. I think a lot of people discovered it during COVID and those 2020 and 2021 lockdowns in its second season and just how nice it's been for five years to have this show hanging around. Ken. I was thinking maybe we that we should maybe uh, adjourn the meeting and, and re... Uh, re, re Ken. Uh, Ken, it's done. Seven six. We sell to Gojo. You don't have it. Yes. How's it all looking? Well, plans, planning. You, Quad Man, Matson hates you. Wants to clean up. I got you. Yeah. Here we are, John. Finishing talking about Succession. It's good. It's sad, but. What do we do next? I feel like we need to give everyone a few things that they should jump straight into or go, hey, get into a new show. Well, I felt a bit like Kendall at the end where I just like need like I needed to go for a walk and look at look at some ocean. <laughs> but what I find personally I have to do, especially with these shows that I'm so in love with and so like in the mindset of is I need to watch something different. Like it's the like classic palette cleanse thing. And there is a, a sweet little palette cleanse that I've been enjoying this week. If Yeah, please. We're going pronounce. to go going to dinner party recommendations, aren't we? Yep. Yeah. So <laughs> I was going to say this is nothing like Succession, but it does involve a bunch of rich people. But <laughs> there's this great new show. It's called Huge Homes with Hugh Dennis. So I think they definitely got Hugh yeah. Dennis just for the name. And we've talked about our love of Grand Designs oh, on this love. show previously. And no offense to Grand Designs, but my favorite bit is just to see the reveal at the end. And this show is just going and looking at completed homes. So it's not about the construction. It's not about how long it took to get the plumbing in or anything. It's just going to like some of the most interesting and huge homes across the UK. Um, And some of them are like stately 
500-year-old manors that have 100 rooms, and some of them are like these brand-new bungalows that this, like, architecture couple have built because they only got this really narrow plot of land in the middle of the UK, in the middle of London. They made the biggest house they could in this tiny plot, and it's, like, amazing and beautiful. Um, They go and visit a water tower that's been converted into a house, and it took, like, 30 years. And then they even go and look at this island fortress that this guy has turned into, like, a summer home for his family. So, yeah, it's beautiful. Beautifully shot as well, which is part of the appeal because they're just these stunning houses for different reasons. But the kind of link between them is they're all either enormous or just very, very ambitious in where they are or how they've been built. So, yeah, it's such a like a easy, fun watch, but also really Ooh, inspiring. Well, I like a house show. And so this just sounds like a bit of sticky beaking. You just get to look in fancy yes. people's houses. People will definitely know Hugh Dennis's face if they see him. He's a British comedian. He was ah, on Task Master. Well, that's obviously. a show you've never um, talked about. So, yeah, it's a really great watch. Huge home, Hugh Dennis. <laughs> well done for saying that. Okay, yeah. well, I've got a bit of a yeah, totally different vibe as well, and it is a show we've talked about both of us on this before. It was one of the shows that got me through 2022 last year, and it's Somebody Somewhere, which has just finished its second season. And in great news this week, we've just heard confirmation from HBO that once the writer strikes all sorted, we will be getting a third season, which is wonderful. So Somebody Somewhere is like, it's kind of like slow TV. It's this just beautiful story of two friends in Kansas, a bit of both outsiders finding their way through life with really simple things that happen in each episode. There's not major events or huge twists and turns. It's it's really a character story of friendship with a beautiful bit of music in it as well. So somebody somewhere, I think I've said before, it's like getting a nice big warm hug, but just in a really fresh, authentic way, like the way they are as friends. Some of the there's a few funny toilet moments this season that remind me a bit of Colin from Accounts, but it's just really beautifully authored by Bridget Everett and highly recommend Somebody Somewhere. There's two seasons for you to get stuck into. I think there's probably, I think there's seven or eight episodes in this season. So that probably gives you 15 or 16 amps to get stuck into if you haven't already. And the other thing just with, and this is not a palate cleanser, but when you do finish a show and you want to get stuck into something, especially if you were watching Succession with your partner and you both kind of just kind of hit the spot of giving you emotional human stories mixed in with the kind of setting. You and I are huge fans of industry. We've talked about that show many times. There's two seasons for you already to watch on Binge and season three is coming imminently. I don't think the date's been announced, but it will be coming soon. It's set in the high finance world of London, but at its core, it's about the people working in these businesses and the relationships and things that motivate and drive them and some really great characters. So that's been one of my favourite shows the last couple of years as well. So give industry a go if you're looking for your next corporate drama. John, the other thing we should probably talk about is last week we launched our first big unscripted reality show for Binge, a Binge original called F-Boy Island. I know we've talked about succession so much today. Should we have a special episode or do something dedicated for that next week? Because I feel like there's lots of behind the scenes we could get into and, yeah, kind of peel back the curtain a little bit for our listeners and hear more about that show. Yeah, I have I have lots of, lots of thoughts on F-Boy and it's only just kicked off, so we've got, we've got some time to talk about it. But, yeah, let's, let's do a little F-Boy awesome. special. Cool. Well, this week on Skip Intro, we discussed the finale of Succession. I suggested that you check out Huge Homes with Hugh Dennis. Ali recommended Somebody Somewhere, all of which are streaming for you right now on Binge. 
I'm John Bourne, joined every week by Ali Herbert Barnes. Thank you so much for listening. This podcast was produced by Dan Barrett with audio editing and mixing by Chris Yates. And we'll be back next week with more Skip Intro. Skip Intro.